0: Amen. I would like to welcome everyone today. And if you are a guest this morning, we are thrilled to have you in service with us today. And uh, I believe we have a number of first-time guests with us this morning, and we are so happy to have you with us. Thank you for being here today. If you're watching online, wherever you may be watching from, we welcome you as a part of this service today as well. Praise God. You may be seated. This is this year is the 50th anniversary of the landing of Apollo 11 on the moon. On July 21st, 1969, President Nixon spoke from the Oval Office shortly before midnight on July 20th, Eastern Daylight Time, to Apollo 11 as astronauts Neil Armstrong and Edwin Aldrin at the Sea of Tranquility on the moon. The call was coordinated from Mission Control in Houston. The president was introduced by the capsule communicator, normally... The only person to communicate with astronauts in flight. This was astronaut Bruce McCandless. I recently, I don't know if it was a video, a movie or what, but I heard this call. They actually played the recording of the call. And there was something in this conversation that really caught my attention. I'm going to read to you just a little bit of the transcript of that phone call between the president and the two astronauts. McCandless says, We'd like to get both of you in the field of view of the camera for a minute. Neil and Buzz, the president of the United States, is in his office now and would like to say a few words to you. Over. Armstrong responds and says that, would be an honor. McCandless then responds and says, go ahead, Mr. President, this is Houston out. And then President Nixon begins to speak to the astronauts, and he says, hello, Neil and Buzz. That would not be confused with Buzz Lightyear, even though he was beyond... I'm talking to you by telephone from the Oval Room of the White House, and this certainly has to be the most historic telephone call ever made. I just can't tell you how proud we all are of what you've done. For every American, this has to be the proudest day of our lives, and for people all over the world, I am sure they too join with Americans in recognizing what an immense Feet this is. And it is the next line of what the president said to these two astronauts that when I heard it, I, I have to say, Mr. President, I respectfully disagree. Because the statement he made to these two astronauts was, because of what you have done, The heavens have become a part of man's world. Because of what you have done, the heavens have become a part of man's world. Mr. President, with all due respect, 2,000 years before Buzz and Neil... Landed on the moon and stepped foot onto the moon. Somebody already did something that brought the heavens down to man's world. Somebody already did something of much greater significance than stepping foot on the moon to bring the heavens to our world. I can tell you simply when that happened, that was when in a in a manger there was the birth of the Savior. When the Savior of this world entered into this world, that is when the heavens... That is when the heavens entered this world. I wasn't living yet. Some of you were, and some of you were old enough. You're old enough to remember. I, I, I don't know. I'm sure that was a great day. I'm sure that was an encouraging day. And maybe it was perhaps the most historic, historic telephone call ever made. But I don't know that that's the proudest day of all of your lives if you were alive. Because while that was a great accomplishment, while that was a great accomplishment, the heavens didn't come to our world because of that. In fact, the psalmist says it this way in Psalms 8 and verse one: 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth, who has set Thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, when I consider the phone call between the president and these two astronauts, What had taken so much time and lives had been sacrificed in the process of getting a man to the moon when that was such a great accomplishment for man. The psalmist says all of that is just, just the work of your fingers. (laughs) The, the, the difficulty and the challenge for us to get to the moon, the one that made the moon, it was, it wasn't even a big deal for him to make the moon. It's a big deal for us to get to the moon. But the psalmist says, when I look at all of the heavens, it's just the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. I believe it was Job that says, you've hung the world on nothing. (laughs) You know, illusion. Illusion is a big part of entertainment. Illusion, but we understand that an illusion is an illusion. It's not real. It's done in such a way that makes it look real. It's done in such a way that makes it look like it is magic, but it is an illusion. (laughs) You know that that person's not really hanging in midair. I may not be able to see it. I may not be able to figure it out, but they're not really hanging in air with nothing there there's some there's some cables there's something somewhere <laughs> there is no invisible cable suspending earth he said you want to see how big i am let me show you what i can do with nothing i can take nothing and do something with it I can hang a world on nothing. I got good news today. If you're here today and you feel like, God, I don't have anything. I've got nothing to offer you. That's exactly what He wants. He said, if you'll just give me your nothing, let me show you what I can do with nothing. When I look at the moon, the stars which you have ordained, it's just the work of your finger. He says this in verse 4, What is man? Man. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visited him? (laughs) Presidents, and I'm not diminishing, I'm not, of course, we probably got some conspiracy theorists here today that think that they never even landed on the moon, so. But, I'm not diminishing human accomplishment. I'm not devaluing, I'm not taking away, but what's amazing to me is what is considered to be such a great feat for you and I, or for mankind, it's just the work of his fingers. It's kind of like a little child, you know, straining to pick up something that weighs two or three pounds. And then you as an adult come along, and without any effort, without any Any strain, you just simply, we got to the moon, yeah, but what about the one who just simply said, let it be, and it was. John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That, my friend, that's when heaven, that's when heaven was able to connect with earth. That's when heaven came to earth. Not when we got up there on the moon, but when God said, I am going to robe myself in flesh and I'm going to become what I created. I'm going to provide to my creation something they cannot earn or deserve. Something they cannot do for themselves. I'm going to bridge the gap, if you will. We couldn't get to him. He says, I'm going to come to you. We, don't have, we can't earn or become worthy enough to get to him. And he says, so let me, let me take care of providing what you need. What you can't do for yourself. I want to give you the provisions for it. Anybody ever had to eventually turn something down or decide not to do something you really wanted to do because you, did, you just didn't have the resources? Anybody ever wanted a, you, maybe a car you wanted to buy or a house you wanted to purchase and, 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 and you finally had to just say, I don't have enough. I can't, I, I can't get the resources that I need together for this. You walk away, and I don't know about you, but I've never had the bank coming back to me and say, Listen, we understand you don't have enough, so we're just going you know, to help you out and give you what you need. Never happened to me. Doesn't happen. Never had a car dealership say, Well, you know what? We can just tell how what you really want this car, and we know you can't afford it, but we're just going to give it to you. No, doesn't happen. But God says, I've got something you could never come up with the resources to purchase. I've got something for you you could never have the ability to buy from me. And so not only am I going to give it to you, I'm going to take care of every obstacle that would keep you from getting what it is that you want and more so that I want you to have. I I find it interesting, I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill this morning, but I I think the statement very much connects to the point. We as human beings have made so much to be about us. We've really made God to be all about us. I mean what, what what how can we think we're so great that by somebody putting a foot on the moon we've now brought heaven to us? We, we we've made we've made Christianity just just kind of a another self help option. We we turn preaching into motivational speaking. I, I, I there's a lot of times that I've left church and I didn't feel better. But I've also gone to the doctor and I've had some surgeries where I left surgery and I didn't feel better. In fact, I always felt worse. My first surgery I ever had was on my shoulder and... And I had some pain prior to surgery. And there were certain motions and things I would do that I would feel pain in that shoulder. But the bottom line is I, I could I could use it, you know, for the most part. And I, I got out of surgery and I, I get home and I go to raise my arm. No, not happening today. <laughs> because I just moved it. You didn't notice, but I just moved it. Because that's about how far I wanted to move it. But a couple of months later, I had use of it without the pain that I had before it. You see, church is not just about giving you a prescription to medicate your pain. Oh, hallelujah. It's not about just coming and getting, you know, let, give me my four Advil so I can dull the pain. What God is interested in doing in your life and in my life is not just dulling the pain. He is interested in getting to the source of the pain. He is interesting and de- interested in dealing with the root of the problem. Because you can medicate the pain and it's never going to go away if you don't deal with the root. But as painful as it may be, if you will allow him to dig down to the root and get rid of the root there's probably going to be a little more pain than there was before. But what happens is you solve the problem and you reach the point that the pain is no longer there because you, ulti- you dealt with the ultimate issue, not the pain. We live in a world that is, that is, uh, that is an expert in pain management. I'm not talking f- physical right now. We live in a world that knows how to manage pain. We've got so many ways in which we escape from our pain. Some of those ways is by substance, alcohol, drugs. But then there's many other ways that we escape from our pain. We'll go home, get done with work, go home and sit down at a computer and surf the internet, social media, or video gaming to get out of the reality of their world. To be free from their world. I, I, I listened to a book a couple of months ago about... Uh, about some of the impact and, and why we do what we why people do what they do and and one of the appeals of social media is you get to create your persona. We we we, we went yesterday for just a couple of minutes and, and crossed the bridge over to Council Farms on the Eastern Shore and uh you know the older your kids get. There's certain things they don't want to do anymore, and then there's certain things they still want to do, but not the same way. If you've ever been to council farms on the eastern shore, if you haven't, if you've got small kids, it's a great experience in the fall. First couple of times we went, kids were younger and did the jumping thing and did the carts and whatever. Now it's we want to go get apple cider and apples and fresh honey. We went over there yesterday, and and um, Timothy's home for just a couple days for came back for my grandmother's ninetieth birthday, and um, went over there and I and, and I took a picture and or we we took some pictures and and uh, a little bit later on I I get a text in our family chat. Can you send me that picture from the farm? I send the picture and and uh i sent one that one that i had already posted cuz i thought it was okay only to be told I, I don't want that one my eyes aren't open I'm like what what like, i mean i got my glasses out i'm like you... yeah they are but you know what we had like five or six shots to choose from cuz that's the way it works now you take 20 pictures To get one. And we, you know, families do it all the time. They post the one out of 50. You don't see the 49 where faces were red and contorted as two-year-olds did not want to pose. for. You just get the one where in a split second everything was just right. But we judge by what we see. We judge by what others portray. And that's why many of us live depressed, because we are measuring our reality by somebody else's fantasy. I'm off the notes, but... We measure our own lives and what's going on in our lives by somebody else's fantasy. Perfect single shot. I don't I don't get this. My my I I I, man I I love my children and in my opinion they're all four just amazingly talented and gifted and three of them have been in some degree or other interested in photography and taking pictures and stuff, but you can't you can't just they can't just take a picture on your their camera and then send you the, the photo. It must be edited. to be because the just just the photo's not good enough we gotta certain people have you, you you got your I know some of you are old enough you don't even know about all this or care about it pay attention to it but but some understand certain certain people have the they've got their own filter or, or their a filter that they everything they use that filter so you're not actually seeing the real you're seeing some kind of adjusted image of reality. Well, maybe I'll get back to these in a minute. We, we, we live in a world where young ladies try to establish their self-esteem based on images in a magazine that's not even a real image. Not even a real image. I mean, long before social media, it was a known thing that when a photo was taken, before you saw that lady on the front of the magazine, somebody had done some changes by editing using editing software. And so we become depressed because our world doesn't meet up to a fake world. And so God is not interested in helping us to manage our pain and our hurt. God wants to get down to the root. God wants to get to the source. And so, if you're a guest today, you may not leave today thinking, man, that preacher was just so sweet and encouraging and uplifting. You're in good company because there's people that come here all the time and they leave that feeling opposite of that. That's because we as the church, this is not the pharmacy. Church is not intended to be the pharmacy. What medication can we describe so that you can have a little bit of relief? The church is intended to be an operating room. Where the Spirit of God can get down into your life and bring about changes that produce lasting change, not just momentary relief. And that's why He came, because He understood heaven needs to come down to where you are. Because the only real solution to what you're dealing with and going through is to have an experience that comes from another world. But here's, here's, here's the other side of that to me. Not only is, is the idea that heaven came to us, that, that's really not even what's the most important. First 1 John, first, first John chapter 4 and verse number 9 says it this way. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Listen to what verse 10 says. Herein is love. Here is love. Herein is love. Not that we love God. The big deal is not that you and I love God. That's not the great news today. The amazing news is that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The the, the good news is not that we love Him, the amazing thing is not that we love Him. You ever, you ever seen a couple together and, and you, you, you look, you know, oftentimes the way, this, to, to me the way it happens, is usually a man and a woman, and you look and you say, what does she see in him? Or how did he get her? And of course, what do we normally make the assumption? He must have. Some serious money. Only one explanation as to why she's with him. He must have some serious money. The big deal is not that somehow we have graced God with our love. Isn't God so fortunate that we decided on a Sunday morning to get out of bed on a rainy, yucky day? Isn't it funny how rainy days are always yucky days and sunshine days are always bad days? I mean, good days. I've been planting grass seed the last couple of weeks and today is a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day because I don't have to run the sprinkler today. it it's not the big deal is not that he or, or excuse me that i am here god you are so blessed and honored to have me in your presence today you know god you are so you god you should be so grateful that we, you know, some of you got small children or children, and I, I, I remember those days, man. It's one thing running to the car when you don't have to worry about anything. It's another thing when you're trying to get three or four little ones rounded up and in the car and stay somehow sort of dry. And God, aren't you gr- aren't you grateful, God, that I am here? That's not that's not that's not the good news. It's not that I love Him, it's that He loves me. And, and, and the amazing thing is, He knows me more than anybody else knows me. I, I've been married for 27 plus years, and my wife knows me better than any other human being in the world. She knows me so well, sometimes I get mad how well she knows me. But nobody knows me as much as he does. And as much as he knows about me, and he knows everything about me, he loves me anyway. You know, I mean, I I can walk up to you, I can shake your hand. How are you, man? Good to see you today. Nice to see you. I could be smiling, and in my head I could be like, what in the world is this guy wearing? Man, who picked his outfit out today? (laughs) Nice to see you. You don't know what's going on in my head. Here's here's what's so funny to me. Sad, really. The one (laughs) who not only knows our actions, but knows what's going on in our hearts and our minds, we think somehow, well, if I can just put on a good enough show... If I can just pretend to know... He knows everything that's going on inside of me. But what is so amazing is that as much as He knows all of my flaws and my faults and my failures, He loves me in spite of that. Not only does He love me in spite of that, He continues to provide and He continues to give because heaven has come down to where I am. But the other side of it is, I get to go to where I am where heaven is, and I'm not living for this world alone, I'm not living for this to be my final destination. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13, speaking of great men and women of faith throughout scripture, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They weren't living for what they could see. They weren't living for what was going on around them. The motivation of their life was not the tangible things in their life. They got a glimpse of something else. You're here today and all life is about for you is what you can see and perceive with your natural senses. You, have, you don't know what life is. You don't know what life is. In fact, the Bible says that we were dead in our sins. I realize that all of us sitting here today have a birth date. We have a day we were born. Most of us adults... Know the day we probably can't tell you the time some of you may still remember or what you were told the time was. if you remember the day i'd be very interested in hearing <laughs> We know the day we know the date of birth we 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 know the day that we arrived I, I, the, the, what is most significant is not. My arrival here. What is, what is most significant is not the life that I live here. I've heard this preached before at funerals and other times, other places, but you look on a gravestone and you've got the birth date and then you've got the date of death. And then there is a dash. What's really most important is not the date of birth, And it's not the date of death. What's really most important is what happened during that dash. What took place during that dash? Was was that span of time lived for that person alone? Or did they realize, as the old song says, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I, I am blessed. I am blessed in this life life above anything I could ever imagine or hope for. I am thankful for what God has done in my life. But I'm also thankful to know if you've got hope in this life only, you are of all men most miserable. And I'm glad to know today, I'm thankful that heaven came down to where I was. I'm thankful that heaven came down and touched my life. But I'm also thankful that I got the understanding life is not just to be lived for what's on this earth. But there is a heaven. And there is something beyond this life that I can live for. And everything that I need, everything that I need to be able to get there has been offered to me, provided for me. People get get angry at God, people get resentful at God because they have issues and problems and things don't go, they pray and God doesn't answer their prayer. Can I tell you today, there is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. If I were to have asked you the question a moment ago before I made that statement, how many of you have unanswered prayers, I can pretty much guarantee you that there'd be at least a couple of hands that would go up. But can I tell you, there is absolutely no such thing as an unanswered prayer. And some of you are probably still arguing in your mind right now with me. Well, yeah, there are, because I prayed them. So what is the basis that you have an unanswered prayer? Well, I prayed and asked God to do something, and he didn't do it. So in your mind, you have an unanswered prayer. He answered. He didn't do it. Yeah. He didn't say anything, yeah. Well, you do know that just as being a good parent means sometimes you say no. As a good God, sometimes he says no, or sometimes he just doesn't say anything. Which, if some of you have heard me say, I don't know about you, but I've done the same thing at times as a parent especially with a few questions, or a few requests, the ridiculousness of the request didn't even deserve a verbal response. In fact, I had to do everything I could to restrain myself from giving the response I really wanted to give. Of, Are you kidding me? What in the... <laughs> so sometimes this is an answer. Oh, the, my, the, the all-time classic, and I mean, our kids do it, but most of us did it. I love this. This is one of my favorite things. You go to your parents, and what do you say? I know you're going to say no, but I know you're going to say no, but can I go spend the night at so-and-so's house? No. <sighs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, you just said, you knew. I'm assuming if you knew I was going to say no, you were prepared for me to say no. Is that not what we do with God sometimes? I know you're going to say no, but I'm going to ask because here's the deal. Oh my, if I can ask and he doesn't do it, who can I then blame? Well, I asked, you didn't do it. And you know what? Thankfully, he's got thick enough skin, figuratively speaking, <laughs> that he's not bothered by our temper tantrums. It's kind of funny to me. We get, so, we get so frustrated with our children when they flop in the floor and do a temper tantrum. I wish some of us would just stick to that rather than the mature way we learn <laughs> because he's he has our best interest at heart and his biggest concern is not making everything here and now the most convenient the most comfortable the easiest to deal with he is hopeful That you and I will decide, you know what? Thank you for bringing heaven down to me. But I also want to get to heaven. And I understand that giving, getting to heaven may require some things of me that I may not really want to do. It may not be my desire. But I understand that what might be best for me may not always be exactly what I want. Heaven has come to us. And I can go. And what's here's what's amazing. I, I use this, I've used this many times, but one of the last times I used it, I just took it for granted. Everybody knew this, but I had a few adults come and express they didn't they didn't know this, and I was a bit surprised. But today, if you were to if you were to be flying somewhere today, if you were going on a trip today, If you go up to the airport, I'm assuming it's still raining. If it's not still raining, it's probably still pretty overcast. And from here, from here, what would we consider this? A gloomy, dreary day. But you sit down in the seat of that airplane. And that airplane taxis out onto the runway. And then it begins the process of taking off. And it lifts off the ground and it begins to climb hundreds and hundreds and thousands of feet. And at some point, as it continues to climb, you go through the clouds and you break through on the other side. And when you break through on the other side of the clouds, what was looking up gray and dreary, Looking down becomes one of the purest whites you will ever see. And the bluest of skies is on the other side of the clouds. I, I, I will be 48 years old in a couple of weeks. And I still, at 40, almost 48 years old, almost every time that happens, I have the same thought. I just want to get out on the wing of this plane and just jump back and land on those white, fluffy clouds. And then I quickly remember, no, that's not the way it works. But, but, but here's, here's my point with that. I'm not preaching to you today, perfect life here and problem pain-free. What I am telling you that you can be in the midst of troubles and trials and tribulations and difficulties, but do like you do in that airplane and rise above to a place of peace and tranquility where yeah just like the airplane you gotta come eventually you gotta land again but I am reminded that on the other side of my problems on the other side of my turmoil and my pain there is a God who is in control of all of it and while he may not be changing it all right here and right now there is something That people try to get in many ways that only one person can give. That person is Jesus Christ and that thing is peace. One of the scarcest resources in our world today is peace peace. Paul says that there is a peace that passes understanding. I got a question. If you were to go, if you if you got some kind of pain in your body, if you go to the doctor and they x-ray you and they find out the, the issue, the doctor sticks that image up on the wall and that light shines through and he says, see right right there, right there that's, that's the cause, that's the source of your pain how much better does that make you feel how much does that help your pain you now have an understanding of the source of the problem, but it does not relieve the pain You see, we have come to value an explanation from God more than peace from God. Oh, hallelujah. Say it again. We have come to want an explanation from God more than we want peace. And the point is, I've used this many times, but I I was raised by an old school dad who believed in spankings. And every single spanking I ever got, I knew exactly why I was getting it. But that didn't relieve one bit of pain. (laughs) You see, the point is, and there's probably, I wouldn't be surprised if there's somebody, at least one person that couldn't testify to this. Most of us can't, but some probably could That God finally actually did give you an explanation. But that's not really what you needed. What you needed was peace that passed your understanding. Peace that says... This may not make sense. Peace that says you may not like this or want to go through this. But peace says God is working everything in my life out for my good. God is in control of every circumstance and every situation. It might be painful. I I might not understand it. But there is something that God is doing for my good. I said this in a service recently. I don't remember which one. One of the things that's amazed me many times now throughout my ministry and even my life is when I've heard people who have been through very difficult, painful, tragic circumstances and situations who will say, if I could go back and not have to go through that, If I could go back and not have to experience that, I wouldn't take that opportunity. In fact, I am now thankful and appreciative for the very thing that at one point I resented or maybe I was upset with God for. But now I understand that it was God's way Of doing what was best for me. Oh, I I understand the idea of heaven reaching down into our lives and our world. It doesn't mean it makes everything feel and look automatically better. But it gives me the assurance. Paul said it this way in Romans 8 verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Would you do me a favor just right where you're sitting for right now? Would you just bow your head, close your eyes, and if nothing else, would you do that just out of respect for those around you? I want, to, I want to encourage somebody right now. Would you allow, I know that for some, maybe that may sound odd, but would you allow, would you allow heaven, would you allow the presence of God to enter your world, your heart, your life right now? Allow heaven to come down to where you are and touch you. simple way of doing that is just by telling the Lord right now, Lord, I I need you today. I can't get to where you are, but you've come to where I am. I don't have what it takes to do everything I need to do. I, I don't have the resources or the ability to accomplish what I need to accomplish, but you you've come to where I am and I acknowledge I need you but not only do I need you I want you not only do I need you today but I, I want you today I want your world to connect with my world and I, I want the purpose of my life and my world to become about you God not simply about my life being everything I want it to be the way I want it to be. I want You. I want You to be in my world. I want to I know what it means, God, for You to deal with the, the very root of the issues and the struggles in my life. In Jesus' name, as, as you continue just for a moment where you're sitting, head bowed, eyes closed, if, if you believe that the Spirit of the Lord is talking to you right now and maybe you'd like somebody else to just join with you right now and pray with you and help you receive what it is you need today would would you just slip a hand up right where you're sitting just right where you're sitting this is this is to me one of those times where sometimes we need to go to him but sometimes he just wants to come to where we are there's at least one hand up. If you don't need to respond for yourself right now, would you would you, be mindful to minister to someone else right now? Maybe there's somebody beside you. Maybe they haven't even lifted a hand yet, but you're aware of their needs. You're aware of what's going on in their life, and you're willing to let God use you right now to... Let heaven reach them where they are. Let them connect with heaven to receive what it is they have need of. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Because of you, God. Because of what you've done. I can experience things that are so much greater than what I could ever deserve or ever be worthy of made provision to bring to me what it is I could never do for myself. You've offered me something, God, I could never be worthy of or deserve. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray for somebody today that is perhaps overwhelmed with the circumstances and situations of their life. Or perhaps somebody today, God, maybe they're not overwhelmed by the problems and difficulties, but maybe they're dealing with the emptiness of realizing that natural success and achievements can never fulfill. The emptiness that only you can fulfill. That only heaven can fulfill. In the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus, thank you for coming to where we are today, God. Thank you for coming to where we are, not just in general, but individually. You come and meet us where we are and provide for us what we have need of. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to continue to pray. They're going to start singing in a moment. If you... Need to go or want to go, you're welcome to. We thank you for being here, but there are some that I know the Spirit of the Lord is still talking to, and more than just talking to them, He's trying to touch their heart, their life today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.
1: Weep over my spirit forever. I pray in fathomless billows of love. For peace coming down from the Father above, sweep, sweep over my spirit, my spirit forever. I pray in fact billows of love. Oh, peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above sweep over my spirit forever I pray in fathomless billows of love oh. Wonderful peace Coming down From the Father above Sweep over my spirit Forever I pray Alhamdulillah